Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, we're live. Um, oh, hey. All right. So, yeah, a bunch of things to talk about today. We're going to get into some Buffalo stuff for sure. I've been deep diving into the. Um, possible GMs this morning Whoa. and have some really interesting names, I think, that, that um, maybe other people don't have yet. But Whoa. we'll get into that. But Mike, what do you, you have something from last well, night? It's, it's a Buffalo story, but it's, 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 a, it's a funny Oh, one. it's a Buffalo story. I like these Buffalo stories. Yeah. yeah. America. America. Russ, real America. I've got my squeezable applesauce. I'm ready to go. All right. Russ, you, you already know this story. So this, fa- this, this faux, uh, <laughs> this, this fake reaction is this. Fine. Hockey anyway. fight tape, big game on Saturday in New York City. Thank you. There you go. And any anyway, near near where I live, a Moe's Southwest Grill opened up, is opening up. And the grand opening was today, which for Chicktawaga, New York, is like you know the Taj Mahal <laughs> opening up. <But laughs> anyway, they promoted uh, the fact that the first fifty customers would get a, a a ticket for a free burrito every day for a year. And they, and and they op- and they opened up at eleven o'clock this morning. Now, you know, my mother who loves anything free, whatever it is, even if it's something that she can't use, tells me about this and insists that I go there. So I get there at about a minute after eleven, and there's maybe ten people lined up. And I asked the manager. I says, uh, "Okay, uh, where are the where are the tickets for the free burritos?" And the guy says, "We had people camped out at midnight." Waiting eleven hours to get a free burrito coupon for a year. Holy cow! What was the weather? What was the weather like last and, night? And it was in it was in the forties, and it oh. was it was in the forties, and it was drizzly. So honestly, oh. I, I I I don't I don't get it. I mean, life in Chicktawaga is not that boring. That you know, or not? No, don't, don't underestimate underestimate that, Mike. Well. Well, we know X experience in Chicktawaga is yeah. is thrilling. So, like I said I spent an, a night, a week there one night. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's my forty uh, degrees I, of rain. I, I, I gotta tell you, unless I'm getting a pile of money, I'm not waiting out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just that's just a recipe for death. Anyway, I mean you can't eat that many burritos. Yeah. What the hell? That's terrible. Anyway, let's start the show. <laughs> All right, finishing one text here. All right, here we go. All right, so. But yeah, we're gonna get into so it. Might be getting some text. Might be getting some calls. This Buffalo thing will not will go pretty quickly, I think. But there's a bunch of different things here. Everything happening, and it has to go quickly actually, because we're not that far away from the expansion draft and all the things this new GM has to do. It's kind of surprising they took as long as they did. All right, here we go. Um, all right, Hello, hockey world. Today is Thursday, April twentieth, twenty seventeen. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I am Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings of the hockey world. And we do have a lot of really fun games to talk about last night. A lot of interesting things happened, um, and we'll get to that soon. But we had a breaking story today that, that's coming out of Buffalo, New York, which is – I know we have a lot of Buffalo viewers and, and readers. 
Um, and the news is, you know, interesting because yesterday we were on this very, very, you know, show discussing how the rumor came out that Eichel was, you know, not interested in signing an extension if if um, Bilesma continued on as a contract. And, and I was we're looking at Henderson, the guy who wrote it, and or Hamilton, the guy who wrote it, and um, saying, "Wow, that's a gutsy thing to write," you know, if, if, unlike, <laughs> because. Honestly, you know, either either you're totally totally alienating the coach of your team, or you're alienating the star of your team, one way or the other. You're, if if if, so, we probably, you know, it probably Hamilton probably knew this was going to happen. Put it that way, but um, you know, to to make that kind of a call, I, but I was told, frankly, that you know, now that both the GM, if you're just you know, if you haven't seen the news, that both the GM and the and the coach Murray and and Bosma have been relieved of their duties, as they say. I'm sure they're very relieved, and. Um, they're they are no longer in charge of that, and I was told this is nothing to do with Jack Eichel, which I'm not really. So I don't. All right, but, come on. But, let, okay, act, okay. Even if that is true, and it may may, may be, it may not be. It is true. It, okay, it doesn't matter. It's perception. Perception in this case is reality, and because it came out 24 hours before they both get fired, that he doesn't want to play for Bilesma. Even if he didn't say it, his his agent, you know, uh, co co complained to the hilltops that this was not true. Well, if it if if it happens twenty four hours after, true or not true, Jack Eichel's going to be blamed. Jack Here's Eichel. Thing, I think when things like this come up now in sports, like sports are are pretty like drastic and can seem pretty evil at times with the way things go down and because it's all public. And so when things go down in public, they never look great. Jack Eichel can come out and tell us all that he didn't say it. It didn't, uh, he, he could do a whole interview like he did. But if you're going to tell me that he was completely on board with what everything that Dan Bilesman did, I'm going to tell you that's not being actually correct either, because we had heard stuff all year about those two, no, oh, yeah, I mean, there's, the no question. there's stuff there. Okay, that's there's, there's stuff. Well, hang on. So, yeah. so there was stuff because yesterday it was like I didn't say that. Okay, maybe you didn't say that, but you definitely gave the impression at times that you weren't happy, and right. he did that, and he did that the last day of the year. So, so there's that. Now we talked about Murray many times. The probably the trades did him in, and I also think the fact that very few Russians, if any at all, are coming over like Antipin, who they were kind of hoping on to secure the blue line, that didn't help him. Now, as far as Dan Bilesma goes, to me, he's the one who gets caught up here because, like, a lot of people are like, oh, well, they both deserve it. No, they really didn't because, again, Bilesma did a good job when that team was injured. That team was close to NHL 500, which we know is not real 500, but I got to tell you, he was doing it with smoke and mirrors. He really was. the end of the day, I go back to what Jack Eichel said. I want to stay here for a long time. I want to sign a long-term deal. So clearly, whether Jack Eichel called for this or not, and I'm sure he didn't call for it, he was basically signaling to the owner that he would like to stay there and wouldn't like it if Dan Bilesma were there when he was there. Like now, that's, you know, for the whole, not for the whole time, but for part of it for sure. Now the, re the reporting that's coming out and, 
again, we'll find out, probably find out more about this as we go along. But the reporting that that's coming out this morning is that Murray was not in favor of dismissing Bilesma and the ownership said, okay, well, if you're not going to fire him, then we're going to fire you both. And that that's what they did. I give if him credit that, for that. I, 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 I give him credit for that. But honestly, when you're, when you're, when you're building a foundation on quicksand, which Tim Murray has done in, in some instances, you know, he really didn't have the footing to make that kind of, uh, that kind of statement because I mean I, I don't think Dan Bilesma should have been fired. I think that and I know that you know it's not just Eichel. There are other players on this team who apparently were not pleased with Bilesma, and that's probably what Pagula looked looked at and and factored in. And obviously the the money didn't matter because Bilesma had three more years left in his contract, and I believe Murray signed an extension. But I mean I believed Murray deserved to be fired more than Bilesma, but. Now, what I'm interested in is who takes over, and right. actually, if you if you have some in, insight on that, because the first the first name that popped out, and let me tell, let me ask if, if if you had heard this, the first name that I thought of when they when I heard the news was Dean Lombardi, because yep, uh, well that that is yeah obviously you know you can finish your thought if you want to, but why you think that? Sorry. Well, no, because well because the Pagulas are fascinated with resumes and you can't get a be bigger better resume than Dean Lombardi with two Stanley Cups he's also tied in with USA hockey um, so I mean I you know maybe that maybe that's a factor but I think they 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 loved the padded resume that was what attracted them to Rex Ryan and then uh, unfortunately to their detriment that turned out to be a bad move and now the new Bills coach McDermott is you know basically had a great resume uh, as an assistant in Carolina, but they like the padded resume, and you can't get more padded than Dean Lombardi. Yes and no. I mean, Lombardi has um has has really obviously. I mean, the the Stanley Cups, you know, speak for themselves, and um, you know, his history with Team USA um, has been pretty strong. Although there's a lot of debate about that lately, you know. So like the. You know, I don't know if Lombardi's going to be with Team USA much longer. I have a feeling that there's going to be changes there. Um, and at the World Cup of Hockey, there was definitely talk of major changes right. um, with with guys like Burke and Lombardi, you know, moving on. Guys like Shiro um, and others moving more into the fray. Um, <clears throat> but Lombardi is a tough character to deal with. Um, I don't see Lombardi's personality. And, yeah, I've heard his name today mentioned as well. And I, and I would not be surprised at all. That where he brought in for an interview because just Pakula is the kind of person who will interview a guy just to get information and to sort of to learn. You know, he we can bring Lombardi in. And Lombardi can say, "This is how I build a team. This is what this is what I do." You know, and if you remember, this is what you know Mike Babcock wouldn't do. Remember the whole thing. Mike Babcock wouldn't go to places and and tell them what he was going to do. He refused to do that. Teams wanted to interview him all over the place. His agent said no, and that was a really strange thing for a coach to do because you know, or for a GM, if you if you're an owner, you're interviewing a GM or your GM interviewing a coach, you want to know what they're going to do. And usually, coaches will, our GMs are very open about that. I mean, it's not like this. It's not like anyone holds this magic secret sauce. You know, it's not like that's what I was always funny about. There is a magic secret sauce, and McDonald's is selling it in supermarkets now. So you're wrong. Right, you can make it you're wrong about that. But it's, it's it's Thousand Island dressing, pretty much. Um, but you know, but the thing is, the thing is, I mean, that's what always cracked me up about Babcock. You know, like, what is this? Does he have some kind of like magic powers over players? He's not going to share with us. I mean, no, he's going to do 
well, where Babcock is good is is talking to players. And, and well, if he does have magic powers, can he please make Martin Marinson and Jake Gardner good defensemen? Yeah, right. So, but so Lombardi, I'm going to say, I, I I think that he comes in maybe for an interview. But I'll tell you what I heard this morning, and this is kind of you know really interesting. Is there might be another place Lombardi lands, um, and you know that's a team that has not yet fired their GM, but has a, with the, who was run by a person who might be a little bit closer to Lombardi than Pegula. But um, we don't have to get into that yet, um, because that you can draw your own conclusions there. That's pretty obvious. Um, but you know, Lombardi, I think Lombardi and Sutter. I've heard the combination of them coming in. I just don't see that happening. I, I think that I don't think Sutter is the right coach for. I mean, no. you're right. You, you get the you get all the you know publicity of being a Sabres of a Sabres guy and being like, okay, you know, yeah, we're bringing in the Kings coach and GM that took him to the Stanley Cup, you know, and also took that team into shambles, you know? I mean, that team is really, now they're, they've, they've got a lot of rebuilding to do, right? Well, well this, I mean, let's just, I mean, the Sabres have gone down that road once before, before Pagula, obviously, but they brought in John Muckler in the 90s, right. coming, off, coming off the Edmonton Oilers uh, success, you know, winning a Stanley Cup with them, I think it was 1990. But you know what? I thought John Muckler was a disaster as a general manager in Buffalo. You know, he, uh, he he made he made a few trades and tried to uh, you know tried to go a, a certain direction and it just it really didn't work, but no and uh, there are, there are a number of names that yeah, like John names here's some other names okay so um, so Chris Drury um has come up now yeah go ahead Russ he, he's heck, he is very inexperienced though oh I know I know I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm just saying I like Chris Drury I think he's very sharp I think he's doing a good job actually. But it's it's tough to now elevate him to that position. I don't think he's quite there yet. Yeah, I mean, there are connections with you know. Well, can obviously. can I can can I can I float this one, Russ? Yeah. This is the thing. Terry Pagula has bragged that when he bought the Sabers about how he's a, he was this big Saber fan who used to like go out like and listen, you know, find a find a spot where where he could pick up GR radio and listen to uh -huh. listen to the old team, you know, the the French Connection play or whatever. Jim Schoenfeld is an assistant GM with the Rangers. I mean, do you think he goes down that road? Because no, I don't. I think I think Schoenfeld is in the you know in a spot he's comfortable with with the Rangers, and I think you know I don't want to say he's getting older, but he's getting older, you know. And so I think I think Schoenfeld would stay where he is rather than trying to do that. Right. I'll give you a name before Eck floats his other ones, just because. I'm going to give you the name of Neil Smith, and I'll tell you why. For one, for one thing, he's only coached recently GM New York teams, even though the Islanders were was for a very short time. Yeah. But but if you go back to when he was the Ranger GM, Buffalo needs Neil Smith for the same exact reason. If you remember that Wayne Gretzky trade, the Rangers gave up barely anything. Yeah. I mean, the best guy they gave up, and I can't remember his name right this minute, was a defenseman who did turn out to be a really decent defenseman in the NHL. And Marc-Andre Cliche was in that deal, who is still still kicking around. But but the point is, they gave up barely anything, and they got to a conference final with an old team that had no chance of beating the Flyers, but yet that was like his last big trade that worked. But in you know years leading up to that, if you go and look at Neil Smith's trades, except for the ones that um, they um, – that were engineered by Mike Keenan, they were all really good trades. 
Well, I mean, the the reason the reason I bring up a guy like the reason I bring up a guy like Schoenfeld and and Russ, you mentioned another name and, and who's never been in management, and I'll 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 mention it was was Lindy Ruff. Um, the re- the reason I bring the bring up Schoenfeld is because he brought in Pat Lafontaine, who had no managerial experience, right. and then and then summarily summarily dumped him when uh, when Tim Murray came in, you know, and I think Lafontaine thought he was going to actually have power in the organization and then didn't, but. There are there, you know, Pagula seems to want that Saber connection, I and mean, more so than with the Bills. And there hasn't been any kind of indication that he wanted to go down that road with with the Bills. But with the Sabers, he he likes going down the road of somebody who has a connection with the Sabers. That's that's why I mentioned Shafa. But maybe maybe rough, and and maybe that won't happen at all. I mean, go go ahead, Act. What are the other names that you had? So other assistant GMs. There's a couple other assistant GMs that I've heard too, um, and I do think that. I think if I'm Pagula, I would go the assistant GM route because there's there's there are a lot of good ones available, like you talk about. You know, Schoenfeld's. You know, I, I don't think Schoenfeld's a bad idea, and I and I don't think. Um, and I, and here's a couple others that I, that I uh, Tom, Tom Fitzgerald. Okay, Tom Fitzgerald, who's in who's you know assistant GM in New Jersey. New Jersey, um, yeah. Is another guy that's really, um, really. Um, yeah, he's paid, he's he's paid his dues, and yeah, he's paid his dues. He's a really good guy, obviously, but just just this, but also a, a seriously respected guy around the league. And Russ isn't one of his sons. Wasn't one of his sons drafted by the yep. Sabers? Yeah, yeah, That's true. Um, I have that too. I was looking on my notes here. So Casey Fitzgerald, right? Okay, so and also Casey Fitzgerald's tight with with Eichel, apparently. Well, okay, but, those guys know each other very well. So. Um, that I've heard too. Though they, you know, that's a, that's a good one. I get some of this from really good sources too. Uh, Pat Verbeek. Okay, so yeah, Verbeek, you know, assistant GM in Tampa. Tampa. Okay, yeah. and, and obviously what Tampa's done is pretty strong. Um, he's not going anywhere in Tampa. So Verbeek is definitely one of those guys that's going to be out there looking for a job because you know he's not going to move up the chain. Okay, Russ, and I, I like this guy a lot, and I keep going down this road, but I'll, I'll, I'll mention it right now. I, I, I really like this guy a lot. I've had some interaction with him as uh, when he's scouted uh, in Toronto, and he's been an NHL GM before, and he's got a great eye for talent. How about Rick Dudley? Rick Dudley is a great talent evaluator, but not a great GM. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't go Dudley unless – it was going to be a package deal with somebody else. Yeah, stronger on the um, business side. Uh, Mike, you were right. Gretzky was a UFA, but but Neil Smith lured him there for some reason. I thought he was traded there, and Cleish was in the Avery trade. My brain wasn't working there. But see, Dudley, Dudley would help on the talent evaluating side, which I still think they need help with. But but again, this, I go back to Neil Smith. He was able to get stars in New York, and I think I think he could get stars in Buffalo. I'm. I mean, I'm not saying that's a that's an uh, that's a completely out of the out of the realm of possibility choice. But I mean, and, and I think Eck is right. There are a number of assistant GMs who, and and these are these are the guys that every time a GM spot opens up, we hear the name of Paul Fenton. We hear the name of yeah. Mike, Michael Fuda. Uh, you know, you know. Uh, so I mean, it, it's my 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 the other name I'm going to throw out there too, and I think this is because so far all these assistant GMs we've talked about mainly are ex players, right? They they really are. They're mo- they're mainly ex NHL players. You know, Fitzgerald was, Rubik was, Jumbo was, right? Um, Fenton was. Yeah. Um, so I was I've I've heard the name Bill Zito in Columbus, you know, and there's another name like you know because Zito had 
he ran, had an incredible run. Now he's an agent, so it's different. So you know, you go in the opposite direction. Um, he's an ex, he's an ex agent. Um, ran one of the biggest agents, one of the best, most successful initial agencies. Left that to become the assistant GM at Columbus. Took on the GM job for Columbus's AHL team last year, um, and took them to the to the Calder Cup. Mm-hmm. And there's a rem- and and there's a remarkable amount of players. And they went 15 and two or something. Like, or 16 and two in the playoffs. There was an incredible run that they had in the Calder Cup last year. Right. Um, and an unbelievable amount of those AHL players are part of this Blue Jackets team. It's, it's something like sure. eight or nine, right, of the of that team that won the Calder Cup are on this Blue Jackets team that that put up 114 points. Right. Um, he's a really respected guy. I think that well, you know, I've heard a lot about him before. I heard him, you know, involved with Washington last year. Here, here, here's a, here's an interesting here's an interesting possibility because. Paul, you know, Fenton, like I said, Fenton, his, his name has been out there for years. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if Fenton would be the choice in Buffalo, don't be surprised if the cho- his choice for head coach would be Phil Housley. Um, no, I, I mean, wouldn't be shocked at that. that, yeah, that not, yeah. Housley did a great job with, in the U.S. system with a lot of the kids. And even just in those little games like the All-American Prospects game, getting mm-hmm. to talk to Housley a lot, very smart guy. You know, here's the funny thing, though. The little bit of a read that I have on Pagula since he's been in this league and also watching him on the football side, I think he is only going to take a GM that has won a Stanley Cup because I think he is looking for like that like for that big name. I don't that's, think he's gonna go for any assistant. No, you might be right. You might you might very well be right. If that's the case, there's not that many available, right? Um, and no. That's why he might get one that's off the beaten path. Right. And Neil Smith, that's why Neil Smith makes sense. I get that. Um, no, but there's Russ, other guys. There's still Russ, probably other guys out there. But Russ, with, with that with that also opens up to the possibility of if, say, for example, you know, because right now we know what the current structure in the NHL is. It's president, general manager, and coach. He could go for a guy like like Lombardi and him be the team president because there there is your there is your guy who has won Stanley Cups. Bringing Lombardi, no Lombardi. Right. I'm just I'm just hockey system enough. I'm just telling you, Lombardi is not going there. I really I really there's it's really there's 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 other things I know too about this that I can't get into. But there's just there's it's just not going to happen with Lombardi. It happens. Everyone will be saying you said it would never happen, so I'm sure you. Place your bets now. It's going to happen. Lombardi's going to be a savior. And, and, yeah. and, and I'm telling you right now that everything I know about the people involved in this says no way Lombardi's going to be there. Well, well, but but and and you you may very well be right, and you know more than I do. But I, but using using the, right using, the, using the parameters that Russ was talking about, you know, it could be a guy like Neil Smith. It could be a, a guy like Craig Patrick, right? You know, who, and and I'm talking about them as team president. Them as a team president. Um, now, right now, the team president for the Buffalo Sabers is Russ Brandon, the former team president of the Buffalo Bills. I, I I'm not going out on a limb that say that to say that Russ Brandon probably doesn't know anything about hockey or very little. He knows the business side of things, but he doesn't he doesn't know to ru- how to run a hockey. And that didn't stop Charles Wong from making Mike Milbury GM. Well, yes, but 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 that's that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm talking about a, a two pronged structure here that a lot of teams now uh, are are going down the road of. And and now and if Buffalo wants to go down the young route like Arizona, I mean John Shannon from Sportsnet just mentioned on the the show previous to ours, 
uh, mentioned Kyle Dubas, who's the who is the who was the heir apparent in Toronto, and I'm not so sure now that he is the heir apparent because Mark Hunter is there and he's in charge of the draft and he's an assistant GM, and you know Dubas is very well thought of and in a in a pretty good hockey mind, and if the Sabers went down that road. I, I think the next the next head coach of the Buffalo Sabres would be Sheldon Keefe, who uh, Dubas worked with in Sault Ste. Marie and hired as, as the Toronto Marlies coach. So that's going to be interesting. Whoever gets hired as GM and the connections that they have to the next head coach of the Sabres. I think Craig Patrick would have a chance. I do. I, I really think that um, – I mean, again, when you look at the Pittsburgh side of it, he brought Marc-Andre Fleury to that organization, and he's won a couple Stanley Cups too, obviously. So I think that is a name that's sort of hanging in the weeds. I do because he's a well-respected guy who really doesn't have that position but has stayed around the game this entire time. I mean, I, I think there's a real good chance of that. I mean, what about – you know, I'm going to – I'm just double-checking somebody else's availability here. All right, what about Bob Gainey? Yeah, but he's been out of the game for a while, and yeah, I mean, but it doesn't, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, if Scotty you know, Bowman was once out of the game for a while too, was he not? Yeah, but don't bring don't bring up Scotty Bowman's name in Buffalo. I know. Buffalo, I know. I'm just saying. I knew that, and I did bring it up as to yeah. as a point. Buffalo was the one place that Scotty Bowman, you know, did not win, and, and right. you know, I, I have my Bob Gainey's 63. He's not I, too I, old for this position. Yeah, it's not. I mean, but I I, I really think that. The smart. I mean, I know he's probably going to go. I mean, you know, it makes sense that he would be the kind of GM you would think that would go with the with a Stanley Cup champion GM, but kind of owner that would go that way. But I, I really think that that's the wrong way to go. I, just, I really, I just, I do. I personally think that this is a situation where we were just talking about this the other day. Look at all the coaches that are getting let go. You know, like the coaches that are letting let go. A lot of them are. You know, there's a new, there's a new generation out there, and this is in very much a new league with new kinds. But this of is a different owner. This is not a hockey owner. No. That's this the part is, I think you're missing on. No, I get that. He's, he's, a, he's definitely a hockey owner. No, he's not he's, a hockey he's, owner. He is, he, is, he is a hockey neophyte in a bit hockey business. He's, yeah, he has, he's smart. He's very no, he, I'm not saying he's not smart. He's a, he's a billionaire. He's, he's a, he doesn't hire. He, he's gotten to where he got gotten to by putting the right people in charge of positions he, where he's had. Well, if you look at the Buffalo Bills, that's not the case. He's he's very he's a very well, smart. I think actually, man. he's more smart with hockey than he is football. I think he's I think very, we're connect him well, with he's a, the, 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 the thing is he's a fan, and that's the, the right. you know, he's a he's a billionaire fan, and right. I think sometimes that colors his judgment. I mean, we yes, but I know there's other billionaire fans in the NHL right now who are the owners of teams. Right, that are way worse. That that. Oh yeah, no, no. I'm. I'm yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing. Get in the way of, of He has not not one thing Murray did or didn't do was a result of Pagula for forcing him to do or not do those things. That. Oh, uh, we don't know that. We don't. No, know. I, I mean I've been told this by very good people that the one thing that's surprising about Pagula for as much as he is a fan, he is all he is one of those guys, and there are a couple of others out there like this. Um, but, but, that are that, that just don't they don't. They don't force their will onto their GM and say, "We got to go get this player because I happen to like that player." That's well, not that's not what he does. Well, what I am what I am saying is that the at the the Pagulas are fascinated by resumes. Yeah, and that and that and that's why that's why and, and like I said, it may not be a somebody who comes in as a general manager. They may you know they may say, "Okay, well, we need a hockey man to be team president." Uh, you know, how about Brian Burke? Uh, how about you know Brad Tr I mean Brad Tr Living I'm sure is going to use the leverage of other positions that are opening to maybe get a new contract out of Calgary. 
Um, I mean, there, there are a number of scenarios here. So here's, here's the way I look at it. He has, he, if, if this is right, he bought the Sabres in 2011. Correct. That's a short time to be an owner. And in this short time, the Sabres have not been good. No, and, and, he, and, and Russ, he came in the year that he bought them, and he threw money at the problem, okay. and he, they, they traded for Brad Boys to make a playoff run. Then the next, then the next year, right. they, they, they spent big money on Christian Erhoff and Vili Leno. You know, and, and remember, he, he assumed control of Lindy, uh, Lindy Ruff and Darcy Regeer, yeah. kept them around long past the, the time that they were, I think, yeah. they needed to be around. And then when he changed over – he changed to Ron Ralston as the coach, and then cleared hit, cleared um, Regeer and Ralston out, and brought in Lafontaine and Ted Nolan, and then changed Lafontaine within right. a couple months. So now, have the have the Bandits won a championship? I don't know. I don't. I don't follow. All right, I'm going to look that up. But he owns the Bills, the Sabers, the Americans, the Bandits. So far, none of them have won a championship. None of them had been to a Super Bowl or a Stanley Cup. I don't know much about Calder Cup. Cup. Football, but I do know. I mean, I mean, I do know that this is when he took over this team. They were, they were, they were years away from anything specific. Well, they were. I mean, they were a playoff team when they took over. But they, okay, they, they they were a playoff team when when he took over. But the, very quickly, the direction of the Saber franchise was to go down the road of the rebuild. And yeah. I, you know, I don't criticize that because I think that was the right thing to do. Now, a lot of people in Buffalo have bemoaned the fact that they got Sam Reinhart instead of Aaron Blad and that they didn't, that they struck out on not getting Connor McDavid and, uh, and got Jack Eichel. But I, I think there's talent here. I just think that there's been some bad decisions by Tim Murray and that cost him his job. And, you know, Dan Bilesma didn't, you know, his, his handling of the team apparently was not pleasing to some of the roster. So we'll, we'll see what happens because we have no answers about what's going to happen in terms of who they're going to choose. But let's, let, Russ, let's move to the, to the games um, last night because uh, first we have to, we have to, I wish I had my uh, funeral dirge. Uh, ready to uh, to play. Championship, sorry, last in two thousand and eight. Did he own him then? No. So he has not won a championship in the National Lacrosse League either. Just saying. And, and the guy, and the guy who, the guy who was the head for the band, the the best player for the Bandits was the uncle of John Tavares, who's right. Named John Tavares. Um, but okay, so we we have to we have to give let's uh, get on to the game tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was gonna say let's let's start with the team that was eliminated and the 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 team that swept, which is the Anaheim Ducks sweeping the Calgary Flames. And I have to bring this up because it feeds into my narrative that I've talked about all year. Um, Anaheim scores a goal very early in the first period on Brian Elliott and Glenn Gullitson at one nothing early in the first pulls Brian Elliott and puts the goal. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, I'm just I, the goal though. I mean, it, it, that that was one of the worst goals ever given up, and that's like it was Tommy Salo bad. It was yeah, really bad. It was it, you know it felt bad for Elliott, you know, but it was a bad bad goal. Like there, I, I I wasn't at first. I had the same because I tuned into that game just as they were making that goalie change, and I'm like, oh, what the hell are they doing? They're down one nothing. And so I went back and I watched the goal was just, you know, it was really bad. So I think they had to make that move. But, but okay, 
and you could see this coming a mile away, Russ, because Anaheim had dominated against Calgary over the last few yep. years. I, I'm taking nothing away from Calgary because I love the talent on that team. I, 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 you know, I think Monahan's a great young player. Goudreau is really good. You know, they got some good years out of guys like Backlund, and you know, I, I think Sam Bennett's going to be a player in their defense played uh, in the second half of the year, played much better. But this team will go nowhere until either John Gillies takes over as the number one goaltender or if they go out this summer and get themselves a goaltender. Until they do that, they're going to be a borderline playoff team that will lose in the first round all the time. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the issue here is I, I just saw highlights. I didn't watch this game in its entirety. But when I saw the, uh, the Nate Thompson goal, the, the defense was yeah, very yeah. – I'm going to use a Peter Laviolette phrase, very effing casual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember when he said that? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, and it was true because, I mean, they they scored that goal on a rebound now, uh, that was off the post. Like, you should never score a goal on a rebound that's off the post. Like, if yeah. that, that means that your defense let in a bad shot to go off the post yeah. and a bad rebound as well like you know that was just crazy i mean they they it was it was, a, it it was, was too casual like they were just it, they were lost in space it was just bad and it, it, you're in the playoff game you're you're basically you you have a chance to be eliminated and they didn't have it i do say that monahan had the fire though that goal monahan, by monahan was a Goudreau was totally shot down by anaheim Goudreau had nothing going and and the whole series he had nothing going he had three assists in the series i think or something like that so he was you know that he um you know and i've never you know i don't know if if he's playing with the right kinds of players, like I think that I think they are, they don't have Goudreau in the right situation right now. That's what it really looks like. It's like you know, cause watching him, we've seen him succeed before. And I wonder, by the way, I thought to myself, is he going to go over and play for the World Championship team too? Because there's another that would be another. Yeah, really, he, I think he's on. Yeah, he's on the roster. That'd be another ringer, right, to go over there and yeah. play in the World Championships. The U.S. team would be better. Yeah. But um, yeah, this the the thing that's the thing that stood out to me about this game is. As, as much as, you know, you can blame Elliott and Calgary definitely, you know, didn't show up and, and Trevor League, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sold on him or the coach. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really, there's a lot of issues there. Um, Anaheim's really good. Like, really. Oh, no, Anaheim's defense is world class. We all they are. They might be the best team in the West. Um, by they could be. Like, and, 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 and given what we've seen out of Chicago, you know, they are, they, they they move the, the where they're good, and this is what you see out of Stanley Cup teams all the time is they move the puck out of their own end so quickly and so efficiently. Yes, that you just watch them. They do. They remind me. Thompson like yeah. didn't do that. Like Thompson actually had to kick the puck to himself, and and Calgary was playing so far back. Yeah. That it didn't matter. Like that was just that whole play every was time just Calgary well. rushed in the last. I watched the I watched the last two periods of this game. Every time Calgary rushed the puck. Every time Anaheim had a quick out, a quick guy yeah. on the boards, they were out. They remind me of the Devils in the past, you know, the the, the, the Kings in the past. That's just so frustrating to play against those kind of teams. Well, I, I give Carlisle credit. He did play Gibson. That's the yeah. way he should go. Yeah. And, and, and you, I mean, you, you have to factor in the, the fact that, yes, their defense is great, and they played most of the series without Vatnin and – the entire series without Fowler, and they're probably going to get Fowler back for the second round at some point. So this team is going to get even better. Yeah, oh, they're, yeah. they are way better than either San Jose or Edmonton right now. And it'll be interesting to see. Like just watching Kessler, them play. Kessler's playing better. Corey Perry's yeah. playing great. Yeah, Getzlaff's playing great too. I mean, Getzlaff really, is playing is playing better for sure. I'm not going to say great yet. I'm not. Yeah, he's playing pretty great. I mean, he's got what? I mean, he got an empty netter, but he has three goals, which is really good. 
three goals and four assists, or something, something crazy like that, or something like that. I think. But I'm uh, still, not, I, I still, I, he's close to dominating. Let's see him do it another series, yeah. and I'll give him full credit. Yeah, I mean, and and Calgary, I think Calgary is, I mean, Calgary is one goal back in every one of these games, which is pretty crazy, you know. I mean, so yeah. as much as these are a four game sweep, it's not like they were blown out of the water. They definitely, no, they definitely. No, that's really, why I think Mike's right. You could, you really can look at the goaltending and say. If it was just a little bit better, they definitely could have won one more game. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah and I think the goaltending does affect the offense too. And yes. I think that in a situation yeah. like that, you know, it's definitely the, the goaltending makes players nervous to take chances. And I think that also yep. played into it big time. I, I think that Anaheim's going to be really tough to beat. I think that, you know, it's going to be, I mean, Calgary wasn't fantastic, but they weren't terrible. And no. Anaheim was just really, really good. Every time yeah. I watched it, I was just amazed by how efficient Anaheim was. And Bieksa, who we talked about yesterday, you know, who, of maybe waving his own trade clause. Bieksa, I thought, I think has kind of found like the fountain of youth right now. Like he, he looks, he looks more like the Bieksa that I remember. Yeah, they're still buying him out. Doesn't matter. Yeah, they're, they're either I mean, buying him The guy I remember from Vancouver, like he's very important to that team right now. Obviously, yes. I'm, I'm not, I'm not disputing that act, but if it's a question of exposing Fowler and either buying right. him out. I get it, being, I get it, but he's yeah. not. But, no, no, but, but he's recouped his, he, he's recouped his reputation. I agree with that. And, and maybe maybe some team that was looking for a short-term fix on defense would trade for him since his since his, I, his think got, I think he had the ability to trade for him. But whether or not he yeah. accepts the trade, like I said before, I doubt it. But, no. that, but so then moving on, we've got to go yeah. a lot to do in 20 minutes yep. here. So um, moving on to Minnesota and, uh, and, and um, St. Louis. I watched a lot of this game too. Um, and I really – you know, this was this really seemed like a game that St. Louis didn't show up for to me. Like it, as much as Minnesota played well, and they and they did they did you know, and, and at times you saw, you saw you know you saw some chinks in the, some kinks in the armor, for for you know, for the goalie and for the Blues. But and I and I and at times Dubnik looked really good again. So the the Blues really might have blown it. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to blow the series, but they gave the Wild too much last night they really gave away a game they really did not show up for a playoff game mm -hmm. what i saw i watched a little of this game what i was noticing and and this was really the same for all of these games minnesota had worked very hard and didn't get a lot to show for it goal wise this game they did they got a little more to show for it but they still outworked st louis they did they they were the harder yeah, working they team. outworked st louis in three of the four games yeah. I mean, actually and I mean, it's finally really worked out for them saboka um, and we were talking about like the the whole like thing, you know, if you're going to come back from three nothing, something has to happen. Yes. When Saboka went down with that injury last night, that's what occurred to me. Like that's yeah. like because he's been such a big player in this. Now he came back and played, but did not look like himself at all. Um, and I'm so I'm very curious because he when he went off, it looked like he had blown his knee out completely. And I thought, oh geez, he's done for the series. And that that looked like a, a turning point. He came back and didn't play that well, but. He, you know, I, I, I still think that you you gave Dubnik confidence. Like Dubnik, when he gets confidence, he's a different goalie. Give him a shutout. That's a great thing. I mean, it, it couldn't have gone better for Minnesota the way it went out. Yeah. Jake Allen, I mean, I mean anything. Scores, you know, like Martin Hansel scores. That's like crazy. The Hansel goal was a great goal, too. It was a great goal. And it was about time that someone shoot from outside on yes. Jake Allen. Because they've been trying to score on a goalie that big, close in, like Minnesota's been trashing the net and trying to score those goals, it's almost impossible. So, you know, Hansel takes that shot, a really kind of like a meaning, not a, I mean, it was a good goal, it wasn't a great shot, but that's where Jake Allen in the past, that's where we've seen him fall apart in the playoffs, yeah. our shots from out, like that Hansel goal. 
And then there were two or three shots after that handle goal that he missed. I mean, one hit the post or a couple little flubs, and they were all from the outside. So as if, as if the Wild were saying, you know, we're going to shoot from outside now. There were, there were certain subtle things that make me wonder. Well, we what buried happened. the lead here, too. We did. Normally, when there's these interviews on the bench, you could basically just go get popcorn, go yeah. do something else. Coaches say nothing. But Bruce Boudreau is not that guy. He is always honest, yeah. if nothing else, right? And right. he said something. He's, they asked him about the change in lines, that he finally did it, and he said, you know what? And he was almost embarrassed by it and he, because he, he's that loyal. He goes, you know what? We had these lines. They worked all year, but they got stale. So I yeah. had to make a change. Yeah. That could probably help them tremendously now in this series because he was reluctant to do that. He does. And he's the kind of guy, you know, it really, I think everything that they want, and I really, I think game five is going to be fascinating in this series. And I, yeah. I do believe that if Minnesota wins game five, this gets really good because yes. of all the series that this, you know, like I don't know, you know, now Boston, Ottawa, I didn't see much of. So um, I saw yeah. enough to see this. Yeah. We're finally living in an age where I no longer have to defend Eric Carlson. Yeah. He could do it for himself, and I'm happy about that. Yeah, he's like having a Con Smythe series. Like, there's no question he, about he that. He looks like Brian Leach out there, for a lack of a better term, and yeah. he's a better skater than Brian Leach, which is hard to say because Leach was one of the best of his era, right. but he's a better skater. And he's bigger, right? He's bigger than Brian he's, Yeah, he's a little taller, but Leach is a little wider, but that's okay. Yeah, no, he's having an unbelievable – you know, and Bobby Ryan, I mean, I'm just happy for Bobby Ryan. I mean, having yes. like – you know, he's, he's been so maligned for so many years in different yep. situations. Ryan looks well, great, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. well I mean, in, in, in Ottawa, I think that the criticism was justified based on the salary that he's being paid and the lack of oh, – yeah, No, I'm not saying it wasn't justified at all. Like, right, I, right, right, right. I know, I know. But, 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 I mean, the funny thing is is that look at the, the inability of Boston to generate any consistent offense. Yeah, this, is, this is what's fascinating about this. You're right, Mike. And this, what's fascinating about this is they lost both games in Boston. Um, and I don't think many people picked Ottawa in five. You know, like if that's going to happen, that's going to be kind of crazy. Um, Boston looked like they're the more experienced team. All of these reasons we've been – remember, I picked Ottawa in this series, but I was like, I don't know, just because I feel like one of these series is going to go a weird way. Yeah. I also picked Calgary, so I'm not, I'm not brilliant. But, um, but you know <laughs> – so you can, I'll bring that up now too because a lot there. of people are criticizing Rask. They shouldn't be criticizing Rask. No, 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 not at all. I mean, that's a one. A one when you lose one nothing, it's not your goalie's fault. No, but they're not criticizing him for the one nothing game. But before that, they were criticizing him. Or the two one game. I mean, these are like. Well, I know, but I'm just saying they are one goal in six periods at home in the playoffs. I mean, that's like you can't do that. That's this is to me. This is really going to be fascinating how this all plays out because the Boston plan, you know, of firing, you know, of firing Julianne and bringing in, we all talked about how well is this put together, how much is this old vendetta against, you know, Chiarelli, and they've got to get all these different players in here. And it worked for a while, and it looked like they were doing okay. And then I thought, well, they got a good seat. They're going to have a good shot at getting to the second round. Well, has, uh, has Cassidy done enough now to take the interim tag off? I mean, they haven't done it yet. No, 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 I don't think so at all. Not my eyes, no. No, there's not a chance. And you know, I I think that I think the GM should be called. I I, I think I think the whole thing should be blown up in Boston. That's my opinion. But, it could happen if if this if Ottawa wins this series, it wouldn't yes. shock me if that's exactly what happened. Because this is an Ottawa team that's hurt and they're getting yeah. beaten by Bobby Ryan. You know, like the, and again, I'm not dissing Bobby Ryan, but I'm just saying that they're not getting. This is not a powerhouse team. This is not. They're not playing Montreal. They're not. Oh, even and, and the, the Bruins Toronto. are Toronto is better than Toronto is better than Ottawa right now. So I mean, this is like the, to me, this is that they are that Ottawa is taking this thing is in, is incredible. 
With a series that close, the injury to Tory Krug at the end of the regular season was a killer. Oh, because, yeah. Yeah. because Boston's power play is very, virtually non-existent, and Krug yeah. is the quarterback of that power play. And you know, I, I mean, I think McAvoy has done very well for a 19 yeah. being thrown into the sausage grinder of the playoffs. But when you have to play Chara so many minutes, it's and he's it's 40 years old. It's killing him. He's not the he's not the defenseman of five or six years ago. He's an older de defenseman who's slower. And you know, in instances, the Senators are just going right around him. So, yeah. Um, Boston reminds me of the Flyers in like 2013. In there right now, like this Boston team reminds me of yeah. that team, where you have like a couple of these great players on the team. You know, you've got like they had the you know, Marshawn and Bergeron, Giroux, Voracek, but then you have this huge gap. Um, and the young players are have come on too slowly, so they're except and, for Pasternak. He's come on just right. Except for Pasternak, of course, yeah, and he's great. Um, the the Krejci, they've you know they yeah. give him too much money too, but he was hurt all the time. But he's a great player. All right, so let's get on to the main event um, before we get you know any further. Um, we did our best not to talk about Toronto today, guys. So we're going to talk about them now, though, because that was an interesting game. Okay, so I watched every minute of that game. I like yeah. Mike's text that you know the the, the movie playing is reality bites, um, because that was pretty in the, in the first period, and I thought you know that's true because this you know Washington came out and made that statement. They said you know what, by the way, we're the best team in the league. We won the President's Trophy. We're going. You're not going to beat us in four games or five games. Um, but yet, despite going up four one, right? And I gave up on the. I stopped watching this game. Okay, so I didn't watch the last third period. The third period of this game because I was. I got to watch Minnesota in, in that game because people this are game, now booing you. Act. They're booing you. I thought the game was over. So I'm like, and as much as I love to watch that series, the the Wild and that was an elimination game. So I'm going to watch that. Okay. I'm going to that game. You know, and then I'm shocked to see. I did not see until the game was over that it ended up five four. When I saw it end up five four, tell me what yeah, happened. But but he, okay, he, how did they, how did it become five four? Like how did that? How's that game? I mean, I know it wasn't really. Well, Matthew Matthew scored to make it four to three with about eight minutes left to go in the third, and then about a minute later there was a complete cluster f in the in the Leafs defensive zone, and Oshie gets the puck and beats Anderson to put them back up by two, and then uh, Bozak scored with about a, about twenty five seconds left to go. Twenty five seconds, yeah, yeah, and by four. So so really really, I mean, the score was one goal, but I don't think it was reflective of. Well, they never really got another chance after that. Right now, no. Let me let me say let me say this: the, the the game followed the game three script up to a point. The, uh, uh, Washington comes out, scores two goals quickly. The Leafs come back; they get a goal uh, late in the or midway through the first by Matthews. They're in it for a while, but really it was domination by the, by the Caps for the first, I would say, 25 minutes of the, of the game. They're up 4-1, to one, and this is the problem. The Leafs continue to dig themselves holes, and they've been able to dig themselves out of them to some part throughout the series, but you cannot keep doing that to the Capitals. But here's, here's the thing that I don't, do not understand. Barry Trotz and the Caps, they did it. Again, they said they were leading four to two in the third period. They 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 took a couple stupid penalties at the end of the second. There was a five on three. Right, wait, let's stop it right there for just a sec because these weren't just stupid penalties. These were horrifically, and I even <laughs> called them chokers on Twitter at that point, Eck, because right, okay. Have, the first penalty I can't remember, but the second one, Brooks Orpic took three chops and eventually knocked the stick out of out of after whoever's whatever Leafs hands. And that became, Murder. yes. Murder. And that became a five-on-three situation going into the next period. Now the Leafs blew that, 
But the point is, if you're a championship team, you can't make get two penalties with 15 seconds to go in a period. Even Barry Trotz looked completely blown away by this. Yeah. Like, what are these guys doing? And it was just, it was crazy, Mike. That was a crazy moment. Right, and that, and see that was the opportunity. That was the opportunity. That was the opportunity. Yes, that the Leafs had. They were down four to two. They had a five on three for almost two full minutes. They had some scoring chances. They couldn't get it by Holpe, and there was a there was a sag there until Matthew scored about twelve minutes later. But the thing is, the shots on goal in the third period were nineteen to three in favor of Toronto. Yep. Trots and the yep. Caps did the same damn thing that they did in Game Three. They, they sat back into a, into a one three one into a. Defensive shell, and they let the Leafs take the play to them. And you know, honestly, it they may get by the Leafs because the Leafs are too young and don't have a good enough defense. But they are going to get eviscerated by the by the Pittsburgh Penguins if they try to play that kind of game and sit on leads. It doesn't work anymore. Here's my one thing, and you're you're the Leaf expert, but I've watched you know quite a few games of theirs this year. The the few things that they do well, which makes for a good counter punching team, and the Rangers are a similar team in that way is they have a couple of guys that can make the long stretch pass yeah. and they've got two or three guys that can skate like the wind and Matthews in close is impossible to stop at some yeah. point during games. And when you have those things, you never have a safe lead and you should never sit back on a lead. And I was proud of the caps in the first period that they were piling it on. Yeah. They should have scored six goals early in that game. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you can make the argument you can go into the 1-3-1, but they should never go into the 1-3-1 against the Leafs. Never, ever again. It's a huge mistake. Yeah, it feels to me like there's like this, you know, I didn't see last night's third period, but it does sound exactly like I expected it would sound. And it sounds like other parts of the series. And I've seen every other period of this series. And, and to me, the, I, I've, I've questioned the Capitals' willingness to work hard enough to win this series at times. Like they, they seem to, when they get ahead, they seem this to. This one they did. No, this one they yeah. worked hard. They they I mean, they gave it. They gave it. They outshot nineteen to three. I mean, that's like they, they, they yeah, were they, told to do that. Yeah, they were. They worked harder in the first two periods than they did in games. Right? No, they did, and they did. I, they definitely did. That first period was that. That was a hard working period. That's that's yeah. like we are it, playing a team that's not way worse than us. We're playing a team that we have to play hard against to beat. Yeah. And they came out and they did that. And how ironic is it that Mike Babcock, you know, signaled out before the series and says, well, we're more worried about guys like Baxter and Ovechkin than Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson's a hardworking guy, but we're not we're concentrating on him. And Tom Wilson is the guy who's gutted the Leafs by scoring the overtime goal in game one and two goals yesterday. Tom well, Wilson again, is again, Tom Wilson a was a really great scorer in juniors. Yeah, and you've seen this before, Adam. Well, it's like it's yes. you can see this coming. Like I've said many times that Wilson, when they signed Wilson last year, I guess it was to like an extension for yeah. relatively cheap. I was like, wow, they are really getting something. Like it reminds me of Bickle when Bickle came. You know, at, at first until Bickle got you know hurt and lost his way. Yeah. You can see it. They're very similar players to me. That, and Wilson just has this the strength and yeah, he's he's a sniper too. He's got he's got you can see. It. I mean, I didn't know he was a good scorer in juniors for us, but you sure. can see it. Yeah, he's a skilled player, and there's no question about that. No, and he's, the thing is, he's a great athlete, and what they did was they basically told him early on, I, I, you know, look, I wasn't privy to the conversation, but clearly they said, if you play the role of tough guy because of your skating and your physical ability, yeah. you'll have a quicker path to the NHL. He took it, and now they're expanding his role because they realize, hey, 
they're leaving Tom Wilson open on the on the ice, and this guy has a shot. Well, it's not. It's not that they're leaving him open, Russ. It's the fact that the Leafs do not have a defenseman other than Roman Polak who could stop him from going yeah. to the net. They've got a bunch of guys who are more offensive-minded, skating defensemen. And when a big guy like Wilson tries to drive the net, good luck, Jake Gardner or Nikita Zaitsev trying to cut him off. It's not going to happen. Right. You know, yeah, Wilson, so, I mean, Wilson had 23 goals. He was hurt. His his first year he didn't play a lot with Plymouth. His second year he only scored nine goals. But his third year is when I interviewed him and he said like he had a great workout routine, he kind of figured out the game, and he had 23 goals and had 58 points in 48 games. And that's the year that I'm sort of referring to when I realized, hey, this guy could score some goals. Now, is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, last year I was impressed with him in the playoffs too. It just it, he, he scored yeah. a big goal in the playoffs last year too, I think against Pittsburgh or I forget one of the games. Against Philadelphia, I think. Well, against it? Philadelphia, you're Philly. right. He was against Philly, yes. Yeah, and he just looks like he's got, you know, he looks like the real deal, and then he's obviously on a, on this crazy star-studded, talented team. But what I like about him is he does doesn't take a shift off. Like you can see, like Kuznetsov takes shifts off all the time, um, and in this series especially, he's got to be one of the most frustrating players to watch. And if you're a fan of the Capitals, I'm sure you you're like, yes, thank God someone else says it because it's if you're if you watch the Capitals all the time, I'm sure yeah. you're just so fed up with Kuznetsov by now because he's like this kid. He reminds me so much of. Seven? No, no, no. He's not Seminish. He's he's not quite that. Nobody bad. is Semin. Here's here's how bad it got for Semin. I think he yeah. was scoreless in 23 games in the KHL. And what I was told from overseas that I literally got a message about this that fans over there were calling him a fake hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I've been called a fake blogger, but never a fake hockey player. Um, well, one, 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 one thing before Kovalev. we talk. He reminds me of, he reminds me of Alexei Kovalev at times in Kovalev's career when it was like when he would sit there and now you know said all this all the talent in the world but then there were times when he was like what is he doing right what is where is he try is he even trying out there my wife brought it up why is that guy not try like for my wife to say why is that guy not trying when watching a hockey game you have to really be not trying like you have to go out of your way to not try for my wife to pick up on the fact that you're not trying. I mean, I was just, I'm just, I, I started laughing. And, you know, she loves his name too. She thinks his name's hilarious. But besides that, we're just laughing and laughing about the whole thing. He's just not trying. Well, one thing before we talk about the 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 four games tonight, or at least touch on them. Yeah. Um, something that we'll probably see a, a, a great deal during the summer. Uh, Nikita Tri Tramakin. I always. Uh, mispronounce his name, the big defenseman from Vancouver. He signed a one-year deal in the KHL. Um, the, you know, Sergei Kalinin, who played for the Devils, is currently playing for the Marlies. Uh, there's a, there are rumors out he's going to sign in the KHL. This is going to be the beginning of make, keeping a watchful eye on these Russian players with the with the, with the the NHL yeah. not going to the Olympics. It is, it, I don't know if it's going to be uh, you know, rash of them, but I'm sure there's going to be some significant players who are going to depart the NHL and go back to the KHL at least for a year because of the Olympics. Yeah, Kalinin's going to be with Ska. That's what I heard. Yeah. You really but but, but they, there's a lot of players now that are going to stay in the KHL based on the Olympics in hopes that they can make the Olympic team. And it's going to hurt NHL GMs in this offseason. I think it already hurt Murray because they had – they clearly had the inside track on Antipan, and, and now and he's their best player. Like, if they would have gotten him over here, he would have been at the equivalent of getting Medvedev 10 years earlier. 
Well, and, 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 and this, is, this is the thing. What this is going to do is, in the short term, Russ, I think it's going to help these help the veteran players who had tough times getting jobs this year because there won't be as many options in Europe because a lot, you know, not only not only Russia, but you know, fin, Finnish players playing in the Finnish Elite League or uh, Swedish players playing in the SHL. If the NHL is not going to the Olympics, which they're not, um, you know, those players will either stay over there or you have some players going back. And I think that'll help like guys who are 31, 32 years old looking for that contract. You know, a guy like Roman Polak for the Leafs, he's a UFA. He's 31, he'll be 31 years old. He'll get another deal from the Leafs or somebody else because there are not going to be as many options for other for other teams to sign a, a short-term well, guy. All right, so check this headline out as you shift into tonight's games. This is my favorite NHL.com, not the NHL.com, because there's a lot of great writers there. But this, this, this headline just totally. I'm like, really, guys? Like, you gotta work a little harder in this one. All right, ready? Here we go. Here we go. Bring it up right now. Go down three games to one. What is happening? Quickly, Ovechkin makes it two nothing. Two nothing. That exact same thing last game didn't quite work out as good. What's happening? Good things. Not on my side. Now, the Maple Leafs have come right back. Zach cuts the deficit in half. Yeah, pretty right. goal, just a little puck that goes in off the stage. That's you, you. In the series. If you're, uh, Not me. It's Mike. I muted Mike. It was Mike okay. coming from you. Um, all right, so this is the headline. Ready? Here we go. Sorry. Apologize. They're like, oh, man, I had it all set up and everything. Mike. I don't, know what that, I, don't know what the, I don't know what that was. All right. The headline is, I'm not going to put it up, I'm just going to tell you what it is. Blackhawks think the pressure is on for game four. Yeah. All right, now come on. <laughs> you think the Blackhawks yeah. should think No, 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 no. The headline was the, the, the Blackhawks think the pressure is on the Preds for game four. Is that, Was that the headline? Yeah. Oh, oh sorry. Okay, I misread that. Even All that's right. funny, too. All right, that I take it back. That's at least, you know. That is funny. They're trying to. Oh, it's still funny, funny though. It's always on the. It, but you know, that, that's so. That's such a. Oh man, such a. I don't minor think the Preds really feel that way. I will say that. What was that? I don't think the Preds feel that way. No, I don't think so either. This Predators team has been down this road before. Yes. There's enough players on this team who know who know the Hawks and they know what the deal is. They know that if you don't, they know if you give the Hawks one game, you're in trouble. They know this. It's completely obvious. Is this game in Nashville. Yes. It's in Nashville. Yeah. All right, I'm going to predict that Charlie Daniels will do the national anthem for this game with the fiddle. If I'm them, there's no way I'm not bringing out Carrie Underwood again. There's no way. You have will to bring it. Will be a surprise? Is this a big surprise if she does it? No, no. no right now, that there's no, there's nothing, nothing in God's green earth. If you're Mike Fisher, you're like, if I've ever asked you of anything, this is tonight. You're doing this again because we, if you. They gotta win this game because yeah, the pressure is on them. But during during, during a TV timeout, Charlie's gonna break out the fiddle and play "The Devil Went Down to Chicago." Absolutely, yes, that would be great, and that could happen. And, and but you know, <laughs> people don't talk about the one thing that happens. And we can't, we gotta go so fast. But the one thing that happens in Nashville all the time is that you know they have this thing that they do in the third period on a TV timeout where they don't they don't turn anything on and they let the crowd go crazy for three or four minutes or whatever it is. It is one of the coolest things out there. And last, it, it it's just. I don't know why other teams haven't done this. It's such a cool thing. They they literally just turn off everything. They turn off all. There's no cheesy, you know, you know which puck is on which which puck is the hat hidden under or whatever or the hat whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but yeah, they just they do this. It's loud. It's great. Nashville, Chicago. I don't see any way Chicago doesn't win tonight. I'm gonna throw that out there. I think Chicago. I want to say this segment is sponsored by the Waffle House too. 
Well, right. the, the, yeah. the game, the game that I'll, the game that I'll be focusing on. Every time um, you get a Waffle House, you give, you take away just one day of your life. Just throw it away. The game that oh, I'll I be throwing away a few then. <laughs> I've thrown away about a year. Exactly. The game that I'll be focusing on tonight uh, will be the Rangers in Montreal, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, put together a pool. Which Montreal Canadian player will throw the first cheap shot? My money is on Alexi Emelin. I want to. Uh, yeah. I think the Canadians are playing a great. I'm gonna game. go Gallagher. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna go down this road. I, I think that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have to act. They'll do it whether you do go down yeah, the road or not. I think it's unfair to target the Canadians as being the team that's just taking cheap shots in the series. I mean, bro, whoa, 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 my God. They are the leaders in cheap shots in the playoffs. Everybody will tell you that. No, that's I know, but I'm not I'm not saying they aren't, but I think the Rangers aren't exactly the you know the I'm not calling the wallflowers, but yeah. I'm just uh, saying it's it, the, the 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 propensity of of cheap shots uh, from from the Canadians compared to what the Rangers have done. I mean, Rick Nash's uh, cross checks to the back of Andre Markov wouldn't have been done if Andre Markov didn't try to circumcise them with the stick. Should we also talk about Drysaddle? Not even he gets a call, but he doesn't get suspended. Who is the moil, Mike? Who is the moil then? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, but heck, hold on, hold on. Yeah. So we talked about the spearing. It's been going on like crazy. Yeah. They do give a call, right? Drysaddle gets a call and he doesn't get a suspension. I know that was pretty crazy. And and like I said, they 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 really, I don't I don't understand that at all. I think I think because of what happened, because I really think this is because of Markov's thing that they couldn't suspend him. I honestly think that's the case. That that may be true. That might be I think true. They looked at it and they're like, it's not worse than Markov's thing, so we can't suspend. Him. Um, I it's gonna be. A, it's going to be a hell of a game tonight. Um, I love the fact you love the, the original six teams because the thing about this is like, I will always remember the turning point of the Vancouver Canucks Bruins Stanley Cup final, you know, and the, these two coaches were involved. So that's why I bring it up, right? The turning point of that final was when Horton was hurt. But when the Canucks hurt Nathan Horton, who, um, you know, they took a shot at him. He was, he's knocked out and never really played again. I don't think in the NHL for the most part. No, he played, he played. He did play a little bit more. Okay, so yeah, but he gets hurt in that series. And I was in Vancouver, and Vancouver was rolling, okay? They were rolling in that game, and it looked like Vancouver had everything going. And I and what I what happened is they woke up, and I, I remember turning right to, like, I forget who was next to me. It was a really famous, one of, the, one of the more famous writers in the NHL. And I looked at him, you know what just happened? They just woke up an original 16. Like, Vancouver just woke that, they woke up the Bruins. And they are about to learn what it's like to wake up an original 16 with, with a cheap shot. And... Because the, Can the Canucks play in a division at that point, you know that division was nothing like the Bruins were playing in. Wasn't wasn't that it? Wasn't that Aaron Rome, Russ? Wasn't yeah, that Aaron yes. Rome, very good call. And did he get suspended? I think he even did get. Suspended. Yeah, he got suspended. Yeah, but I it think Radulov will get back to business on this one. I do. I think he'll he'll stop yeah. a lot of the nonsense. I think the coach will tell him. I think. Oh yeah, he will. I he think will. the Canadian. You're seeing it in this series. I love watching the original six teams go because that that's happening all over the place. Like you're waking up. It, the, the Canadians have taking too many cheap shots and they did wake up the Rangers. And I think the Rangers, there was a moment when that happened. I'm not sure where, you know, it was, yeah, Rick Nash was a beast that last game. He was yeah. really great. And I'd like to see that again. Um, two predictions. First yeah. one is the Canadians will run out of hot dogs in the press box. <laughs> they will run out by the end of the second period. And then the other prediction is Cam Connor will put up one of his best fights again. Now against the Montreal Canadian. Cam Connor used to be with the Montreal Canadians. That's the right. thing. You won yeah, cups. It's gonna be fun. I mean, it's gonna be. This is gonna be a lot of fun. There's nothing like it. You know, like I wish I was. I always wish I was at playoff games. 
in Montreal. It's just, I've been to Plateau. It's an amazing place. It is. I heard, I heard the hot dogs are really good. In Montreal is just unbelievable. Like, you know, I heard the hot dogs are really, really good. No, they I are. Would, no, I don't eat them. I, mean, you know, <laughs> I was up there for a couple of them, a couple of times for the Plateau. And it's just incredible to walk around the city, to be the whole the whole feeling of that city, and I'm sure Toronto is the same way. I've never been in Toronto for a playoff game, obviously, because there haven't been that many opportunities. <laughs> yes, they haven't been in many the last they haven't um, been in many the last, the last thirteen years. But, yeah. you know, I've been there for the World Cup. That doesn't come close to this. So well, know. I I I can I can tell you because I was at, I was in Maple Leaf Square yesterday, and I'll just yeah. you know, be brief about this. The the crowd was it was a bigger crowd for Game Four than it was for Game Three, yeah. and. I mean, the problem was in both instances, Washington got up early and, you know, they, they stick, they stuck around, but when it got 4-1, there was definitely a, a, a downshift in emotion. So, I mean, they want to celebrate, but I, th- I think, you know, the fan base in Toronto was realistic. They know that the Capitals are the favored team in this series. They know that it's a lo- very big, long shot that the Leafs are going to win, but they want to see their team win. So that's I want to show one thing that's interesting. So this is from Steve Aliquette. He's been doing work with MSG. That is a graph, and I, you know, I'm not going to play the video on how you beat Carey Price. I find it interesting, but it's not like the Rangers have scored a ton of goals on Carey Price. What is it? What is What does it mean? It looks like it's just like you know, part of it. One of it says rebounds. One of it's you know, he's basically showing how you could score. What is the blue? What's the big blue? Like is that the oh clear sight? Like if he's like unscreened, unscreened. The worst way. The worst way you could score. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people about Carey Price before, and they, they all say the same thing, that you should shoot from everywhere because he does – he is one of those goalies. Like, you know, apparently Lundqvist is different with that. You know, Lundqvist will make – is better on making saves from weird angles and stuff like that. You can beat Price from a weird angle once in a while. Price is – Well, here's the number one. The number one, and I've got to read it on very small type. So for anybody in my family that ever said I need glasses, I'm giving them the middle finger. But the first one yeah. is yeah. screens, which is obvious. Yeah. But yeah. the second one is not obvious. It's one-timers. Yep, and that there's a reason for that because because of the way he plays. Like he, Price is all about positioning, like, and and if he doesn't have as much time to get into positioning, into position, that he's you know he's I mean he's phenomenal goalie. Let's like, there's no there's no like getting around it. You know you're, you're gonna big be, blue is if he can see the puck, he's stopping it. If he can see the puck, he can stop it. And if you not if you don't get a moving side to side, you're screwed. You got to get a moving right. side. But right, I like what Valakets doing. He's a very cerebral guy. He if you remember. Eck, He's the one who had the quote after a win against the Flyers, and he used to beat the Flyers regularly. That oh, yeah. this was like this game to him, like he it was probably the best game I'd ever seen him play. And he said it felt like I was playing like whatever year it was, you know, NHL fifteen. Yeah, it was really funny. Yeah, now he's yeah he's a class character. Um, all right, so then we have to talk about the other. I mean, Columbus fighting for their lives tonight. Yes. Uh, this you know anything Columbus gets from this point on is, is bonus for them. I, I think that. This would be a really hard game for them to win. Obviously, they're back in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, though, has had a tendency to, if I'm going to give Blue Jackets fans any hope at all, the Penguins have not always been the greatest team at home trying to eliminate other teams. That's They, they, tend, to, they tend to eliminate teams on the road for what it's worth. They do. Um, like we talk, when we talked about the fact they've never seen a Stanley Cup celebration in that building, which is crazy. Uh, never seen a Stanley Cup building that was there. Actually, the, 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 uh, I shouldn't say that. The, the, the uh, Red Wings celebrated in their building. But besides, but they've never won a celebration in their building so right. and 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 the other and the other the other series act i mean it's going to be the, the, the most interesting thing to me is ed seeing what edmonton oh. does in terms of bouncing back from seven nothing. there's well, so on, much drama this. tonight there's so much great drama going on tonight you can see four overtime games again tonight this is the video of the week though 
That is John Tortorella with the dog face with, I guess, one of his kids. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. That is real. And it just goes to show you, Mike, like I've always said, he loves dogs. This guy loves He loves dogs, and he's not a bad guy. He's just a... No, he's not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. He just has his thing, you know. He's, he has a, you know, he has his... He has his way, his, his what works for him in coaching, you know. Um, if Tortorella gets eliminated tonight, is there any chance that he's back next year? Not back next year? No, he's back. No. He's, he's back, right? So, I mean, it's not... We're not looking at that. I mean, it's funny because he'll be back, but should he be back? Yes. Yes. He's going to be, co be coach of the year, Ack. I know, but this is, and I know that, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but he always, no, he, when he, when you think Tortorella is safe is when he is at his worst. Yeah, no, he, the, that is the truth of it, and it's yeah, like he, honest, you know, honestly, if Yarmo Kekalainen decided to, oh, I know, I, I'm with you, I'm with you 100, but I'm just saying that. Why well, don't be shocked if we're here like at the end of next year saying, man, you know. Well, that's the end of next. That's the end of next year. We always know. We always know the Jack Adams Trophy winners are always, are always. Oh, of I'm, I'm not saying he's not going to be back. I'm just saying that. Yeah, you know, but I think San Jose Edmonton is going to be an awesome game, and and that you know that we could talk an entire hour about that, but we can't because we're out of time. We're going as fast as we can here. Sorry about the quickness, but we had the Buffalo thing as well to deal with today. We did. Hockey guys are very good. All right, let's go. Here we go. Picking the winner. It's coming up at any second. Uh, just gonna, my screen share is not working, so I'm just going to tell you what it is. Okay, here we go. The winner is, you have to trust me on this. The winner is the New York Islanders. Wow. Wow, that's the first one. one. Followed by the Colorado Avalanche. We're going to do this a little bit more often. And and then the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, Would the this Golden solve Knights the John Tavares problem if they got Nolan Patrick? It just might. Yeah, wouldn't that? That might. Boy, that would be great. I, I actually know. I mean, there's so many places you want. That no would be no, no, but that would be a great thing for the Islanders to have happen. It would. Right now, there's everything that's going on with them. The, uh, the fans would, they would, the fans would go nuts. Can you imagine? They would go nuts. I mean, they would be so thrilled. I mean, because the Islanders fans are among the most passionate in the world. They love the draft, and they would just go absolutely crazy. That everybody would be eating Zorn's chicken, and hopefully, Zorn's would send me some free chicken. They would. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. It's okay. straight down Hempstead Turnpike. It's the greatest chicken on Long Island. If you ever go anywhere near National I don't know. I've met pretty nice chickens on Long Island. No, no trust me. This is us. There's a better chance of me getting free burritos from Moe's. The greatest chicken on Long Island. That should be a t-shirt. There you have it. <laughs> I am the greatest chicken on Long Island. I don't know. <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought his name was Dan. Anyway, um, oh. <laughs> remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. Enjoy the game tonight. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.